Navigating Solo is the official singles adult ministry podcast of the United Pentecostal Church International. Navigating Solo is dedicated to encouraging single adults in every stage of life by using biblical principles to navigate discussion on various topics. Here's your host, Dr. Lorraine Orozco. Welcome everybody to Navigating Solo. We have our special guest, Evangelist Greg Albritton, who is going to be speaking to us today. Brother Albritton, thank you so much for agreeing to be our guest today on Navigating Solo. It's good to have you. Well, thanks for having me on. I look forward to our, our conversation. So I wanted to just go right in and I wanted you just to tell us about yourself, where you're from, your family, your ministry, and anything unique that you want to mention to our listeners. All right. Um, well, my children, and I live in Alexandria, Louisiana. We base out of POA. I'm an evangelist, privileged to uh, travel across the country and uh, preach a lot here in Louisiana and, and probably 50 50 between preaching here in state and then traveling out of state. I have three inc three incredible children, two daughters, 19. Uh, the oldest is in college, 18. She just graduated and a 10 year old boy. And so we're very blessed. And uh, then we also have a dog, two cats and a gecko. And uh, so our life is busy and full. God's been good to us. And um, if I had to, say anything unique about myself I, I would say and I say this and I'm a survivor mm -hmm. I've been through a few things and uh, I like to think that I try to thrive not just survive but in my life I uh, broke my neck should have been paralyzed should have been a quadriplegic but God carried us through that I had West Nile virus neuroinvasive between life and death for five days God carried us through that had Guillain-Barre, had to learn to walk again, learn to function again through through therapy, months of therapy. God brought us through that trauma and tragedy in our family. And uh, and then most recently this spring, I started having some uh, heart symptoms and uh, ended up having a 100% blockage of what's called the Widowmaker artery. And they did angioplasty in a stent. So just been through some things and just get back up and keep serving Jesus and living for him. And my lighthearted statement that I enjoy saying often is if I'm a cat, I'm down to about four lives, but I'm still. <laughs> so, so that's part of our story. You are a survivor. That's a wonderful testimony. So I wanted to dive right in and I wanted to ask my next question. And that's what age did you get married? 37. 37. Okay. So, so I had a journey that that's a whole story in itself of making it from 21. You know, when you start thinking about marriage, maybe to, to uh, mid twenties and early thirties. And, but I, I, I was waiting on just the right one and, and, and God's green light and got married at 37 uh, to wonderful lady, uh, Jamie, Jamie Aubrey. So I wanted to ask that before you got married, um, what are some of the opportunities and the ministries that you were involved in before you were married? Well, I, um, I started off, uh, my, my home church pastor asked me if I would be the youth leader of our home church. And so I was able to be involved in that. And then God called me to evangelize. So as a young evangelist, I did probably half youth revivals, half church revivals. And 
I always enjoy telling people that the only difference in a youth revival and a church revival is you say young people in the sermon about six times, <laughs> then it becomes a youth message. Um, mm-hmm. So evangelized and loved that, loved that, made friends all over the country, and then was privileged to serve uh, Shreveport, Louisiana as youth pastor, coming to Louisiana as assistant pastor, both three-year stints. And then I, I was honored, one of the greatest honors of my life to serve as a Louisiana district youth president and did that for five years and just had a, a wonderful time. And and then back to evangelizing mm-hmm. and uh, did that for until I get right until I got, until I got married. So. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And I wanted really to emphasize that because, you know, up until you were 37, you were doing ministry and doing all of these things and, and God was working in your life up until that time that God brought marriage into the picture. So, you know, for all of you that are listening, that's definitely something that um, we want to reiterate is, you know, all the things that God can do with your life. And then you mentioned being a youth president and you were a single youth president. Um, and so, and so that's a, an amazing story in and of itself. So well, I wanna... something, something that might would be interesting there is, is the youth president's wife before me, the youth president's wife did so much. Mm-hmm. And so when I was elected youth president or in the run up to that election and then just after so many of the ministers was like, we love Greg, but he, who's going to do all these jobs? And because <laughs> and, uh, and, and his wife did, did a lot. And so I just simply got three different people. We, we split it up into three different people and, and it was amazing, but it was a question in people's mind is we don't know if he can do this. He's not married. And so God just made a way. And then when they saw three great lady leaders over those departments, uh, people realized, Hey, it can, it can be done. It can be done. Absolutely. And I think too, is in recent years, Brother Tyler Sullivan in the Western District in California, also a single youth pastor. And uh, that's not something that we kind of think about. Like you said, there's so much work that the youth president's wife does, but you were able to get that team together and, you know, make that happen. So that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. One of them was my mom and she, she rocked it. She, she did awesome. <laughs> after service meals for the guest speakers and everything. She helped mm-hmm. with that. It was yeah. it was amazing. So I want to kind of go into um into your marriage after getting married at age 37. And so can you tell us about your wife, Jamie? Yes, I was fourth generation apostolic Pentecostal, and she was first generation uh, apostolic Pentecostal. She had been delivered in her 20s from a crystal meth addiction and and she when she got in the church she was all in and uh, her nickname was jumping jamie she was just on fire for god soul winner a worshiper and uh and so we came from two different backgrounds and and but it was it was a beautiful beautiful joining beautiful connecting and so i i um asked her out on our first date at camp meeting and uh she said something, it was so new converty. I mean, it was like a, a new convert statement. I don't know if that's the word, new converty, but new convert-ish. But she's like, I'm only dating Jesus. And she took off walking. So I followed her all the way to the side door because she finally said yes. <laughs> and I'm like, date Jesus, but let's go drink some coffee or something. And so, um, so God was God was good to us and uh, beautiful marriage and, and wonderful kids. And, and we passed her in Colorado together for eight years. Mm-hmm. And I was a presbyter there. She was ladies president for the state of Colorado. And uh, 
And, but then we started noticing some signs and, and, uh, about the same time we moved back to Louisiana, God led us to that journey. And uh, I had a major sickness, the West Nile in 2017 and the Guillain-Barre, I was in, in hospitals for three months. And then coming out of that, I was back to regaining my health for about five months of, of walking again, driving on my own, preaching out. And then she suffered a full, a full breakdown, mental, emotional, affected spiritual and and uh it was a it was a journey mental mental health journey and um after 10 months of that um we we lost her she ended her life and and we lost her and so trauma and tragedy came into our home in in a in a tremendous way but god's been good to us he's walked with us every step of the way so i wanted to ask that after the death of your wife what were some of the challenges that you faced? Um, I would say the oh, there's several. I was going to say the number one, but I think they're probably tied for first. Was mm -hmm. was feeling stretched so thin mm -hmm. that no matter what you did, no matter what I did, I, I couldn't keep up with life. Did that life doesn't slow down with a loss or divorce or death or or trauma. It, it doesn't slow down. So I had two teenage daughters and adolescent son and, and just feeling stretched so thin. I remember one time visiting uh, in Branson, Missouri, there was a comedian who he had these poles and he would put a plate on top of the pole and he would start spinning it. And when he would spin it real fast, that plate would just, it would balance on top of that pole. If the plate slowed down spinning, it started wobbling and, and it could fall off if he didn't keep it spinning. So he, one at a time would add a plate, then he would step to the next pole, add another plate, then he'd keep them both going. And I think he got up to seven or eight plates. Hmm. Well, man, when he's spinning five, six, and seven, number one and two starts wobbling because they're slowing down. And he had to run back, spin that plate. And and it was it was amazing. And you know, he was entertaining the crowd while he was doing that. But to me, that's that analogy has that's how I felt. Mm -hmm. You feel like you're spinning the plates and these are all important things. And how do you navigate uh, in, in that journey? So just the fact that life doesn't stop or slow down after grief, loss, or trauma was, was, was so challenging. So, so you, you're, you still have the speed of life, mm -hmm. but now mix in that, that grief mix right. in that, that trauma. So I would say trying to navigate my own steps, my mm -hmm. own journey, and then normal teenage and kid stuff. Right. And then my grief. Mm -hmm. And I can't grieve for my kids, but trying to help at least steer mm -hmm. their navigating of, of their journey with, with grief. And then I'm an evangelist. That's my life. That's my anointing. That's my ministry, my calling. So I'm traveling on Saturdays preaching on Sundays and either driving or by flying back on Mondays and the kingdom of God, the body of Christ has been so good to us and so helpful and so understanding. But, but, but I go do that on weekends and then you come home late on Sunday night or Monday morning and there's school and the grass still grows and the trash still needs to be taken out, you know, and then there's homework and Bible quizzing and da, 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 you know, mm -hmm. life just doesn't stop. So um, got to keep the, plate spinning the be best that you you can and so so I think that was my biggest challenge is, mm -hmm. is feeling 
stretch so thin and and trying to to be the best dad I could be in, mm -hmm. and, and and understanding that I couldn't be mom, but I could try to be the best dad I could be. And so one humorous uh, story that unfolded, and it's, you see me smiling, it's, it's a great memory for me, <laughs> is in, in, in one of the painful parts of the journey, I was talking with a dear friend, and he, he's been so uh, precious in, in listening and counseling, and uh, Brother Aaron Soto, pastors in Wisconsin, just, just mm -hmm. a great friend. Yeah. And uh, I was crying, I was venting, I was reaching out, <laughs> and I was blaming everything. Well, we were on a parenting discussion, and, and I was <laughs> like I was failing as a dad. I'm just failing to reach my daughters, to be there for them properly, and to understand. And uh, so I, I must have been putting all of my blame on this daddy-daughter uh, journey, on the trauma, and on mm -hmm. the tragedy that happened in our life. And uh, at some point in my sobbing, he stopped me and he said, Greg, I just want to tell you, not all of this is trauma. A lot of this is you're a dude trying to parent two teenage <laughs> girls. <laughs> and, and I remember in my tears and in my sobbing, I started smiling and then I started <laughs> laughing because I felt normal for a moment. Mm -hmm. like, hey, right. This is normal. I'm just a dude trying to figure women mm -hmm. out, trying to figure girls in my home out, you know. And Teenage so, girls at so, that. Mm -hmm. so, so that moment, uh, I look back to it, is, hey, we're going to make it. We're going to be all right. right. And mm -hmm. uh, God's got us, you know. So. Mm -hmm. Well, I appreciate you telling us that story because that is definitely one of the things that, uh, you know, you're – you're navigating all of these things and family and you've got the three kids and the teenagers and then you're dealing with your own grief, but you're right. needing to be strong for your children, you know, and, and also, you know, the way that your wife passed, that was like another element of all of this. And then you're also right. ministering and, and doing things on the weekend. So it was a lot of things to kind of, like you said, balance, um, mm -hmm. keep going. And so I wanted to ask, what would you say to someone who has lost a spouse? Um, well, I have uh, several things to say, but something came to mind uh, to wrap up that last question as you, as you were segueing there. And, and that, that is this is, and it's simple, but I, I had to learn when you were talking about how I traveled out on the weekends and then come back, mm -hmm. I had to learn to control and handle what I could and then absolutely trust God and put in his hand, put in his hands what I couldn't mm -hmm. on the times that I traveled by myself and I have my kids staying at home and getting up and going to church on Sunday here while I'm there. Mm -hmm. And, and a couple of times, none of them heard their alarms. And, and I found out after church that <laughs> they didn't make, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I had to say, God, I'm doing the absolute best I can. Right. And I trust all of our journey to you. So doing all I can, but putting in his hands the rest and saying that he will make up the difference. So what do I say to someone who's lost a spouse? And this is, I believe, one of the most important statements that we'll, I'll make today. It feels so strong to me is you may be single, but you're not alone. Mm -hmm. I want to say that again. You may be single but you are not alone. Mm -hmm. One of my early prayers, there, there are three life messages God gave me, life principles 
through our journey of me being single again, single parent dad, the tragedy of losing Jamie as we did three times that I prayed repetitive prayers where you pray it today, you pray it tomorrow, you pray it the next day. And then God's answer, three whole different, I can only touch on one of them today, but they're all three just, just incredible where I prayed and then his answer carried me for those next few months. And then now it's a message that I, I'm privileged to share when God puts it on my heart with the body of Christ. But one of my early prayers was, God, how am I even going to make it? Mm -hmm. I find myself by myself. How do I even navigate my journey? And then how do I help navigate me and my kids' journey? How do I even make it? That's just the way it came out. How do I even, how can I even make it? And God's answer to me was from Matthew 11, a scripture that I'll be honest, I didn't always fully understand. Mm -hmm. When Jesus said, take my yoke upon you, mm -hmm. learn of me. And my burden is, 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 my yoke is easy. My burden is light. And I was like, okay, God, I know that's you saying that, but a yoke is a big, heavy thing on an oxen's back and a burden is a burden. I don't care what you call it. It's a burden. So mm -hmm. I didn't fully understand that verse. And he, he came to me and, and, and somebody else may can explain this verse differently, but here's how he revealed it to me. A yoke is, is a wooden bar that has, they call it the oxbow. It's the part that goes from the, the beam over the oxen's neck. It, it's the part that connects the ox to, ox to that yoke, to that, to that yoke. And the way he came to me was this image of he's in one side of that yoke. Mm -hmm. He's, he's connected to it and he's looking over at me and the other side of the yoke is open. And I'm saying, how am I going to make it? How am I even going to make it? And he says, would you lock in on the other side of this yoke? You will never be alone. I will walk beside you. We will walk in lockstep. And, and, and that whole scripture came alive to me when Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. He's not just putting some wooden beam on your back. He's saying, I'm on the other side of this yoke locked in. I, you won't be able to go one direction on your own and me the other. We'll have to walk together. Mm -hmm. Will you yoke and join with me? Mm -hmm. And then I came to learn that every yoke in the construction of that yoke, there's this beam, there's this ring in the middle that mm -hmm. they attach to the plow or to the cart. A yoke is built to help carry the burden. So Jesus is saying, I want to join with you and whatever you have to carry you're not carrying it by yourself. Me and you will have it. We got it. Those two oxen pull that plow or that cart together. And so that, that became a revelation that from that moment on, I may be single, mm -hmm. but I'm not alone. Yeah. Never. I don't struggle with loneliness and I'm not, uh, would never judge or, or condemn anyone who does. Mm -hmm. But in my journey, after that revelation, I'm not alone. He's with me every step of the way and whatever is to be carried or navigated, me and Jesus are walking together. So I would share to anyone who's lost a spouse, I would share that God would give you that same understanding and revelation that you do not have to walk one single step alone. Amen. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us. And that is a beautiful thing to think about that we are never alone. 
that God is always carrying that burden with us, walking with us together. So I wanted to ask, what are some practical tips that you would like to share with someone that has lost a spouse? Um, I think just tagging in on that last uh, commentary, number one, it just is so basic, but you can put your trust in God. Period. Mm -hmm. He will walk with you. He, he may not fix everything, but he will. And, and, and sometimes he fixes things slowly. Sometimes he fixes things instantaneously. We love those miracles. Other times he gives us the grace and the strength mm -hmm. to, to, to walk or to navigate. And so we can put our trust in him and he will walk with you. And um, right. another uh, practical uh tip that I would share is there are there's the spirit the God breakthroughs the mm -hmm. Holy Ghost gotta happen but there's right. also mental health professionals and counselors that have have and I, and I believe in godly Christian counselors and mental health professionals that understand the things of God and the word of God and the workings of God and yet they've given their life and their education um, to be able to help us in our journey. And so I would say that counselors and, and mental health professionals have their place yes. and they are very helpful at, at points in the process. And both for me and my children, do we have God? Do we have altar times? Have we had amazing breakthroughs? Yes. But we've also, all four of us had times, uh, different seasons with, with counselors that have been a tremendous, tremendous help. So I would like to say that that I believe in that. I believe God uses both the working of his spirit and somebody that's trained to, to help lead and guide in those. I know I use the word navigate a lot today, but to help us navigate the white waters and, and those parts of the journey. Mm -hmm. Another practical tip is you have a lifetime of friendships and God will use those friendships and relationships to be there for you whether they're married, have five children, single. I've had uh, married friends that have been tremendous in my life. I've had single friends that spoke to me for that side of the journey. So your established friendships will be important. And God, like after the trauma and the loss of Jamie, mm -hmm. uh, God brought some new friendships into my life or some people that I had been loosely connected with, but now something brought us together for this time. And so I thank God for my old friendships and I thank God for my new friendships, but they'll both be important in your life. And then I would say a practical tip to someone that's lost a spouse, either to the hardship of divorce or, or death is I'll speak for me. God's healing was in my life. But I was broken for a long time and the hurt and the brokenness and the grief and the just utterly being overwhelmed at our journey and being a parent and all of this stuff we've talked about. So I uh, I reached out to my friends, but I realized I was wearing out a couple of my friends. <laughs> Here I am. Mm -hmm. I, I can only imagine when they saw Greg Albritton on the phone they were like oh Lord, he's gonna be sobbing within two minutes and i gotta listen for 45 minutes and they love they mm -hmm. love but over time i realized hey who did you call last time call somebody <laughs> different this time and and, and or, or i would call one two or three times in a row and if any of them were listening then they'll find out my tricks but but i got to where i i, I on purpose shared the load 
because their journey wasn't brokenness every day, but mine was. So I didn't want to just weigh that friendship down or, or, or really put too much on just one or two. So, so I would pray sometimes even God, who do I call for where I am now? And, and so, um, uh, just spread spread the love around. <laughs> well, I love that you're saying all of these things, and it's so true. And, and this is the thing that I tell people often too: is that you, we always go to God first. We pray, we ask the Lord, but you know there is a place for people, apostolic, Holy Ghost filled people that are doing mental health. And I'm so thankful for um, you know the Center for Apostolic Counseling, and then for so many of the friends too that are able to be there and to listen and to be there and want to walk beside you on this journey. And so we need community with God and, and with others. So yeah, those are wonderful practical tips that you have shared. So I wanted to ask, I wanted to go into um, my next question is, what would you like to say to anyone who is maybe unsure if they want to get involved in singles ministry or go to singles events? Well, um, what what I would like to say, I, I've been privileged to attend a, a singles event here in Louisiana the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And the the fellowship just in the 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 dinner room, the fellowship, and then the, in the game room, maybe after church, the the camaraderie is is incredible and 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 it's very strong. And and I've just thought between what I've seen with the fellowship, mm-hmm. and then also what happens in the church services, it, it is maybe it's part of it is the the community or the commonality that many of those at a singles event, not all, but many of those there uh, have a painful part of their story as to their singleness. Right. Because we're not talking about 24 year old singles for the most part. We're most of us in our mid twenties, maybe a little older. And, and so it's either divorce or possibly death as in my case, or some that I've met wanting to marry, but not wanting to marry until it's the right one. And so they're waiting and they're trusting God in the, in the waiting room and, and, and and in the unknown. And so, so to me, maybe there's that, that, that sense of belonging at a singles ministry event of, Hey, here's someone else who gets me. They understand that, Hey, I'm normal. Everything's okay. I'm just not married right now. I'm, I'm in a single uh, phase of my life. And, and, and so I think there's that community, that hey, people understand me, and 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 I, I, I'm I'm with, I'm with people like me for for this weekend or for this event, mm-hmm. and then on the on the spiritual side, I think it's connected with that. It's one of the easiest settings as a minister. I've been privileged to minister in, in several. It's one of the easiest places to minister of mm-hmm. all ministry that I do all year long. There is such an openness. There's such a hunger. There is such a, a a passionate just reaching out to God, just just sponges, just just vacuum cleaners, just whatever God gives you in the spirit. It's just you can feel it going right into sorry for the sound of things. You can feel it going right into precious, precious people's hearts. And so I would say singles ministry or singles events is an opportunity to be light, it's an opportunity to be right. strength, it's an opportunity to be hope to give hope and, and, and to share, share in that, in that community and that commonality mm-hmm. and journey together. And that's so true. So many people that are single 
some of them are, it is by choice, but for the most part, like you said, it's either because of divorce or because they have a loss or because you know, they're single, they're waiting on God and they don't want to marry outside of the church or they don't want to go outside of the will of God or be unequally yoked. So, you know, thinking, oh, there's something, you know, wrong with me, but life circumstances happen. And so being able to be in that environment uh, and being ministered to and not feeling like they're, you know, all like something's odd with me knowing every single person in that room also stands and has been faced some sort of brokenness or uh, an uncertainty of their life. So, You know, I'm single now, but we also Mm -hmm. mentioned earlier, I didn't get married until I was 37. Right. So Mm -hmm. I would say probably mid 20s, you know, 25, 26, 27. I went through, I would say three sets of friends, like I'm hanging out with these and then they got married. And so then I get a younger group and these are my buddies that I hang out with at general conference or different events. And then they got married and now they have kids. And so they're still my friends, but their life was, was diapers and we got to get home by 10 and kids have, and I'm like, man, I'm still single. And, <laughs> and so I went through several sets of, of, of friends and, and you're, and you're right. Sometimes you start feeling, uh, you know, like me, I, I was like, God, I'm not, people thought I, you know, what's wrong with you? Why won't you just get married? I'm like, God will give me a green light on what to preach. He's going to give me a green light for when I get married. And so I was waiting on God, you know, so many are in that, in that journey of, of just, just, we trust you, God, you know, mm-hmm. and we're waiting on your, your, your work and your will to unfold. So. Right. And his timing, his timing, I've the right heard. thing, the right person. So I'm closing remarks. I have enjoyed my time with you and talking to you about, you know, your life and your ministry and your testimony. And so I wanted to ask if there's any last things that you'd like to add. Yes, I'd like to, um, just just say a, a couple things and for me i would just say in this single journey and as we've discussed mine includes single for me and then single parent dad right. uh, you know for, with three children in the home is i've come to be at peace with the fact that there is an ebb and there's a flow mm-hmm. and i'm okay with that okay so for me personally my life is go 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 give 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 and I love, I love the calling on my life. I pastored for eight years. I've evangelized many years. So I, I kind of have the heart of a pastor and the heart of an evangelist. So I love going in a church and just seeing God move beautifully and purely and powerfully. And, and so I'm, I'm given, I'm being a vessel. And then to come back home, as I mentioned earlier, to life, bills, yard, dirty clothes, pets, groceries, homework, you know, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then just do it over and over twice in the last four years. And it's just what I felt to close with. But twice in the last four years of my journey, I I, I hit empty. I, I hit absolutely. I was spent. And the first time, and again, I understand it may be different for someone in a, in a secular profession. But the first time, God spoke to me very clear in April. And he said, don't preach again until camp meeting. That was 10 weeks later. Mm-hmm. And I obeyed God mm-hmm. and, and went on a self-imposed sabbatical for 10 weeks and just spent time with my kids and life and around the house and just refreshed and replenished and went to my home church and stayed in the altars and went to prayer meetings. And, and at the end of those 10 weeks, I got back to preaching. And two Sundays after I got back to preaching, it's as if the Lord said, 
thanks for obeying me. And in one day, financially, people wouldn't stop coming to me saying, God told me to give you this. God told me to give you this. And in one day, God said, God took care of the 10 weeks of finances that I had put on the altar last year. Happened again. This time it was five weeks. The end of the five weeks, check in the mail. One of the most beautiful cards I've ever received that said, we know it's difficult evangelizing and raising three kids. God put this on our heart. And I was able to, I didn't get rich, but I was able to deposit as if I had had income for the last five weeks. So I know that may not look the same for someone in the professional arena. Mm-hmm. You may not can take 10 weeks off and just say, look, I'm not coming to work mm-hmm. until summer. Um, but however that would play out in a single person's life or a single parent's life, you give, I know I'm a minister, but so are you, so are you and you're a parent and, and you right. give, and you go and you give and you go but there's an ebb and a flow. And so God, there has to be those seasons that it's okay. It's okay. If I told you that the times that, that I, I slept 28 hours and 48 hours because my body was spent. And so I had, so at first I was like, what's wrong with me? But through the journey, I've learned to say, Hey, wait a minute. I give and I go, mm-hmm. but I need to be refueled yeah. and I just need to rest for a day or two. And so I just want to speak to, to those on there, wherever in the process that you are, that it's okay. And I, I want to say the Bible, I want to say this in closing. So just accept the ebb and the flow, accept that it's okay to, to be powerful and to, to take on giants, but it's also okay, okay to say, I'll rest under the shadow of the almighty for a day or two. And, and uh, the Bible says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And I heard an elder, he wasn't trying to rewrite the Bible, but I love the way mm-hmm. he made a slight amendment. He said the steps and stops mm-hmm. of a good man. And I'd like to say, and of a good lady are ordered by the Lord, the steps and the stops. And so the exploits, the great things and the seasons of pause and refreshing. And so accept those ebb and flows into your life. And God's in, in both of them. So, um. Well, thank you so much, Brother Greg Albritton, for being our guest today on this episode of Navigating Solo. We appreciate that so much. And to all of our listeners, God bless. Until next time. Thanks. Join us next week for another great interview on Navigating Solo.